Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenacast. We are a podcast of post-evangelical ministers and theological thinkers grappling with our place in the progressive Christian world. Thank you for joining us for another conversation on faith and culture. This is the last Tuesday of the month, which means it is Divine Cinema Time, and I am joined by my good friends and secondary co-hosts, Adam and Dylan. Gentlemen, welcome. The B team. <laughs> Thanks for having us again. <laughs> Second string. All right. <laughs> if you are not familiar with how this works, basically we have chosen a bad Christian movie and we watched it and we're going to sit down and talk about how bad or maybe it surprised us. Spoilers, this one did not. Um, <laughs> That's kind of redundant, isn't it? Bad Christian yeah. movie? A little bit, a little bit. So we do this at the end of every month. Uh, however, next month, we will do it on the second to the last Tuesday because the last Tuesday of the month falls on our 100th episode. And we have some special stuff coming up for that. So keep listening and get all the information. We'll give you more as we get closer to that. So this week, we are looking at Kurt Cameron's Saving Christmas. Here's a little bit of a taste of this particular movie. And uh, at the end of the trailer, we will <laughs> we will talk about it. Do you ever feel like Christmas has been hijacked? Hey, uh, where's Christian? How's he doing? Is he okay? Oh, he's fine, really. He's just, he's just not into Christmas this year, that's all. By all the commercialism and those who want to replace Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays or Season's Greetings, whatever that means. You okay? This is not what Christmas is all about. Some want to pull down every manger scene and tell us why our favorite Christmas traditions are wrong. Newsflash, not in the Bible. That's a pagan idol symbol. It was the winter solstice. Jesus was not born in December. It's exactly what the Druids did. It's like a carjacking, but like of our religion. And guess what? Santa got in the car, kicked Jesus out, and was like, rolling, 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 and took, and took it. Isn't it time somebody spoke up? Everything you see inside there, it's all about Christmas. It's all about Jesus. you love Christmas and you want it to be all about what it's all about. This Christmas, dive headfirst into all of the joy, the dancing, the celebration, the feasting, the imagination and traditions that glorify the true reason for the season. Join me and my family, and together, let's put Christ back into Christmas. So we figured, it being the holidays, and hopefully all of you had a great Christmas, if that's what you celebrate. Hopefully you're not too Christmassed out. If you are and you go watch this movie, then you will definitely be Christmas out. You don't need to worry about no, it No, no, anymore. it'll save them. Oh, this is the, like, if you've, been, <laughs> if you've been burned out, this is the movie for you. So if you haven't seen this movie, um, Saving Christmas is a movie, I guess. It is starring Kirk Cameron. In fact, I think that's the official title is Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. The front of the cover is him on a rope swinging in with a present in his hand, like <laughs> literally. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Uh, Quite so misleading, too. Very yeah, misleading. Jewel like of the a, Nile or what was that film? movie? Of the Christmas uh, nature. Yeah, like yeah, Romancing, the I, Romancing the Stone. Boom. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's almost like, well, not even close, but the, yeah, same the image. The similar, same image. Yeah. 
Um, so basically, the plot of this movie is through a conversation with his sister, Kurt Cameron. Um, he learns that his brother-in-law, Christian, that's his brother-in-law, not his religious affiliation, although it is his religious affiliation. <laughs> Two for one. Um, exactly. You know, some subtle symbolism there in the name. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So Kurt Cameron learns that his brother-in-law, Christian, is not into Christmas this year. We come to find out that he is struggling with the fact that Christmas trees, Santa, and presents have hijacked Christmas from Jesus and the Bible. After finding that Christian has retreated from the party to his car, Kurt Cameron begins a conversation with him that will change everything. They exchange witty banter, and I'm putting quotes up, air quotes in that, of that witty banter. Kurt Cameron gives several, basically, mini-sermons dealing with the biblical justification for Christmas trees and the historical justification for Santa, which I can't wait till we get to that one. Um, <laughs> ultimately, Christian's Christmas spirit is restored, and the party kicks into high gear with some <laughs> Family Force 5. So, we're so negative about everything. We are, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. Let's yeah. Let's <laughs> let's cleanse the palate a little bit. Anyone have anything positive to say about this particular movie? Okay, I got some stuff. Um, well, okay. So I'm just going to put this out up front. This isn't really a movie. It felt like the extended, extended, extended version of like Adam ruins everything. He does, you know, like these 10 to 15 minute segments about you know Adam ruins engagement rings or Adam ruins this system or you know like exposing kind of the background. And it really felt like that where it's like this infomercial. So in some ways, I feel like, ah, it did that really well. It was more of like a YouTube 15-minute video explaining, you know, like, here's the background on, you know, whether it's true or not, some background on Christmas stuff. If that's what they were going for, which it wasn't, because I think this came out before most of that stuff was going on. But it was kind of like that. And overall, while it's kind of campy, I don't think it really took itself that seriously. Like, it doesn't feel like there was forced drama or, you know, like a lot of the other movies we've watched where you're just like, oh, this is horrible acting. Everything kind of seemed... Uh, like they were having fun doing it. So I think overall the tone uh, matched what they were trying to do. And it was kind of silly and yeah, a little bit fun and didn't take itself too seriously. Uh, I have a lot of stuff to say, but I felt like eh, I'll, I'll give it that. That was all right. Yeah, I'll say that whoever the cinematographer was or the, the person holding the actual camera actually made some decent art decisions instead of being like uh, milk toast camera shots like the other <laughs> the other movies that we've watched nice. that were just so bland and non-committal to to anything looking good um i think there were certain yeah there were certain scenes in this movie that i was like oh that actually looks kind of kind of decent and it looks like they put some time into making this set look dramatic or positioning and moving the camera in such a way and playing with light in a couple scenes which i thought was kind of interesting i also think the actor that plays christian actually has some comedic value and timing just not he's just given a poor script yeah exactly he doesn't yes. he doesn't make make use of it here i think he's, he's the not di he's the director oh is he i think the the guy who plays christian is either that or he's a main producer guy okay. I, the only reason i say this is I, I sorry to interrupt but he um one of the other things i was going to say that was positive is they do the whole outtake thing at the end which you can like you know love or hate but they do it uh, but yeah. he's the guy calling the shots like okay let's cut this part or we're going to go back to this so that just seeing those things at the end made me think maybe he's uh, I'm guessing he might be the director. I should like know yeah. this before I talk probably, but <laughs> I'm going to IMDb that real quick. Um, sorry, yeah. Dylan, go ahead though. Uh, no, that was about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was short list. It's my, my whole list. I'll agree with you though. Like I felt like overall the production value was decent. There was one or two times where I felt like there was a gap uh, that they didn't have any music for or something. And so they just mm. put in some weird like background, you know, they just found a 
track off of, you know, a free royalty free thing or something like that and played some kind of like there was once or twice where I was like, wait, is it like, what, where's that music coming from? What is that? You know, it was distracting. There was a little bit of, you know, so sound choices, editing choices like that, that were, you know, they ran out of money for the five force, whatever family force five. Yeah. They, they couldn't, they yeah. played their track so many times that we're going <laughs> to just put a generic thing. And it was like, wait, what's one of the times when he's in the car between something. I, I don't know if they were talking about the snow globes or whatever. Like, I think I was listening with my earphones off and I like took them off to listen. Like, is that coming from somewhere else? Like it was that weird. Um, anyway. Yeah. So I, I thought to go with Dylan, I thought that the, the cinematography was great. There was some like legitimately fun camera angles, mm-hmm. um, particularly the end where he slides into the Christmas yeah. tree and he's yeah. going slow motion past a little girl. That's like Definitely. just perfectly placed. I thought so there was little things like that where I was like, Oh, that's, that's fun. Like they, they, you could tell they were having fun with everything. Um, Adam, while you were talking, I did look it up. He is not only the director, but the writer as nice. well. So the writer, it was his own fault. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I agree with you there too, Adam. I thought he was like for this type of film, I thought he was a better actor than Kirk Cameron. Oh, and yeah, Kirk Cameron's absolutely. supposed to be a professional. Uh, yeah. I thought Kirk Cameron was <laughs> supposed to be <laughs> was lousy. Like yeah. it, it was, that. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um. Anyway, we'll get into that also. Uh. And, and I thought, you know, I thought the general idea, like if you would strip away all the bad information <laughs> and the the cheesy plot line, the 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 general feel of like wanting to create a space for joy and happiness yeah. over the holidays. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was a good theme um, that was so poorly <laughs> <laughs> executed. Um, so let's, let's, we'll, we'll kind of try to start from the beginning and then we'll, we'll grab some themes as we go on. But it starts with basically like a preamble or a prologue or whatever, where it's just Kirk Cameron sitting in front of the fireplace talking about what people feel about Christmas and, you know, there are those that want to get Christmas out of everything. And then he talks about the other side. So then he, he, which is another good thing on my, from my perspective, at least attempts to intelligently attempts to intelligently, I'm putting air quotes again, um, <laughs> critique his own people. You know, he acknowledges yeah. that there are those within the Christian community that have taken their bring Christ into Christmas too far to the point that just because a lot of the things that we use as symbols and celebratory things during Christmas have pagan roots, that doesn't mean we should abandon the whole thing and not celebrate. So he kind of balances those two things in a horribly executed and acted monologue. And I'm pretty convinced that Kirk Cameron has a very unhealthy relationship with hot cocoa. (laughs) <laughs> oh, absolutely. He, oh, my gosh. And, he enjoys and, it way too much. He uh, does. <laughs> and not only that, but like his whole justification for <laughs> enjoying the holidays is when he's critiquing the people who say they, that we need to get Christmas out of everything. And, and he, he uses the word PC culture or political correctness yeah. or whatever. And then he says, what's the next thing they're going to tell us that hot cocoa is bad for us? It is bad for you. It's not something you should drink on a regular basis. <laughs> like this, it was so... <laughs> And he, he, you could tell he wasn't really drinking it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it was, a, that was an empty, <laughs> that was an empty, clearly an empty mug. Maybe it was just the 20th shot or something and he'd already gone through two or three and they're just like, we're cutting you off, Kurt. Like that's it. And uh, by the time he, cause there, that was, there was another random scene in the um, outtakes. Where, you know, he's clearly just riffing on stuff. Like it, it really felt like maybe that whole initial monologue was only 10% scripted and the rest was him improvising. Yeah. Well, in, the, uh, in the end, his, his, his ending closing monologue also was, you know, ended with a good portion about hot cocoa again. And it was, it was, it was just strange. Something happened to poor old Kirk. 
I know. He I'm does have a, a pretty solid depression beard in, like, in the first <laughs> intro. <laughs> he loves the winter beard. So, yeah, he goes through this whole list at the beginning of, I love this part. Like, I mean, just trying to convince people that he, he loves Christmas. I love the, you know, I love this. I love that. I love the, the winter beard. I love hot chocolate. Um, he loves all the kids, which was a little creepy the way he said Yeah, that was. It. I love all the kids weird. with my winter beard. Um, that was, I mean, so getting to some of the things that frustrated me, just this general, you know, like, what about the kids? You know, these people out there that want to take it, they want to hurt our kids. Kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah. know, like, I don't think that's what they care about. Yeah. Uh, most people that I know who are like, you know, ah, screw Christmas, um, you know, love and, and try to do as best they can to, you know, have kids have a fun time, but it's not doing any good for our kids. Yeah. Um, Alan, our, my, my regular co-host on the show, really wanted to be here this week, but unfortunately the time we were recording this, it wasn't able to um, do it, but he did send me some thoughts and he did make a really good point about that opening sequence. Cause the opening sequence has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It is basically like, mm. like I said before, it was a prologue. So it's that, mm. that moment before the opening credits. And Alan said that, y- you know, the plot of this movie is tenuous and ill-conceived when it has to open with a fireside chat <laughs> explaining exactly what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and that I think that's a, that's a solid point. Like it, there was, there was a, a patronizing nature to the beginning and the opening like here's why we're doing this movie and it's important for you to know uh which from a filmmaking standpoint you lose all art from it right um so well yeah and it's this whole uh assumption that we're all in on it i mean that was the thing of like yeah you know you guys get it right like you know people like this it was so focused it really didn't even seem like it was made for people although the the message seems to be for people who are you know upset about the christmas stuff um it wasn't for them it was more for like people you know it's it's almost as if it was clearly like on the box or whatever up front they just tell you okay we know you have friends like this so why don't you buy them this movie to show them this so you don't actually have to have a legitimate conversation you can just you know show them kirk cameron telling somebody else like it just this is what it's going to be and you all get it, right? You get it. Yeah. Multiple times. I, I didn't count, but there was probably at least 15 times, maybe not. But he said like, we, you know, we, we, us, over and over, there's this, you know, yeah. we're being attacked. It had a little, uh, I mean, it's, you know, obviously Christian propaganda, but it had like yeah. a little bit of a, <laughs> like almost a cultic kind of sense to it of like making logical conclusions and jumps in how he's beginning to explain different elements of Christmas and how they're actually related to, to Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but he, on, on one end, he is trying to bring Christ back into Christmas and then recognizing that some people are taking it too far by thinking that all the things we celebrate for Christmas have pagan roots and all that kind of stuff. And I would say that the majority of the movie tends to not really address with the, with the exception of the side plot with his stereotypical black friend, which I'm sure we'll <laughs> very much get into, especially considering his name is DeAndre. And mm-hmm. oh, I don't even, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, save it. Save it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so aside from that side plot that talks about like PC culture, because he has this little, you know, conspiracy with his um, friend who I assume works in his office and they're talking about like the shirt day and now they can't mm-hmm. say Merry Christmas or whatever. Um, but he really seems to be addressing that core thing of like, he really seems concerned that there has to be a Christian justification for things 
that really aren't in the Bible. Like mm-hmm. these huge, like not, I don't even want to call them theological hoops that he's jumping through because he's not. There's nothing theological about the hoops that he's jumping through, but he's really trying to justify, like literally trying to justify that that the Bible gives us a premise for Christmas trees, and there there's really nothing there. And not only that, but he's coming from a perspective that is taking the Bible very literally, but also taking a lot of narrative freedom with his interpretation of scripture, especially when mm-hmm. he's talking about like the swaddling clothes and then the grave clothes and stuff like yeah. that, which is not yeah. a bad connection to make. But if you're, if you don't read the Bible from a narrative standpoint and you're reading it from a historical standpoint, you have very little things to stand on when it comes to that. So it was, it was this mix mash of things where it just felt like pure justification for what he wanted to do with which would be an argument that he would use against everyone else for anyone doing anything against what he believes yeah i I got the sense during the movie that he like looked at different items in his christmas shrine around his house and then turned to the index of his bible and was like all right where does it mention a tree (laughs) (laughs) all right let's go there and there's a tree there let's talk about that (laughs) so yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan mentioned in, in the responses that he sent me, he mentioned that the, the movie seems to be based off of like responses to Facebook posts that <laughs> kind of get put out there nice. <laughs> every Christmas season. Um, yeah. So, so after this opening monologue by the fire, it moves into the credit sequence and which is ironic because the credit sequence, it's this, this little cartoon of Jesus and Mary and the whole Christian story and all that kind of stuff with music mm-hmm. set over all the people. But what's interesting is that that those images I know distinctively because when I was a youth pastor, there's this Christian media group called Igniter Video, mm-hmm. and they came out with this video during Christmas time that basically like breaks apart our traditional understanding of the nativity scene and gives it more huh. of a biblically accurate view mm-hmm. through this fun cartoon. I showed it in youth group all the time and everything like that. Hmm. So the very sequence that he is using <laughs> in his movie to kind of say – Quit worrying about how it really happened, but using arguments on how it really happened to justify why he's celebrating the way he is now. Like, it it was just very ironic to me that the opening sequence that he is using is something that is kind of more in the camp of the place that he's criticizing of, you know, why are we so concerned with hmm. history <laughs> or whatever. The, the whole message kind of threw me, uh, it was kind of like a curveball for me. So I went in thinking that this is going to be a movie that's going to really attack the folks that are, um, you know, they want to take Christ out of Christmas, right? And he mentions that at one point, he kind of says, basically, we're getting it from both sides. There are people out there who are like, you know, hey, it's fine that you have Christmas, but just tone it down. Don't be so happy. Um, or don't, don't try to, don't push it on us. You know, so those are the people that are outsiders who, uh, yeah, who definitely aren't Christian, but who are, um, you know, don't don't force your Christmas on me. Let's just say happy holidays. Um, and so that's kind of the crowd that I was assuming this movie was going to address. But then the rest of mm-hmm. everything doesn't do anything. Like, it, we never really talk about that. Instead, he said, there's also people, you know, that happen to be inside the faith. There are all these folks who are, you know, like, oh, we're, we're, we shouldn't be celebrating. So it's the Bah Humbug people or whatever within the Christian faith. So I, I was completely taken aback by, oh, that's the direction we're going. Because every argument that gets made or that, that's who they're addressing. The whole thing is about that. So I was like, I, I wasn't really prepared for that. Um, but it's just, I felt like the entire thing was, we want to have fun. They didn't say it was all about commercialization, but that was one of the critiques, right? People who say it's just all about money. Or at one point, I think the Christian guy even says like, you know, all these presents, we could be, you know, 
getting fresh water for you. Like all these amazing, yeah. right? Like the actual things that uh, like I think, yeah, like would be beneficial. That's what we should do with Christmas. And instead it's basically, yeah, let's do these uh, mental gymnastics to you. And this is, uh, I mean, this is my ultimate complaint for the movie, a complaint for the movie is that we will use Jesus as a justification for keeping things how we want um, mm. or, to, you know, to, to let us celebrate the way that we want versus you're not really putting Christ back in Christmas. Like you're just using Christ as a means to allow for your already commercialized capitalistic American version of Christmas. Like, and it didn't seem unapologetic about that. It seemed no, pretty yeah. clear. It seemed that's all very it is. much that the American way is the Christian way. Like even at the end, Absolutely. his monologue was like, it's all about material, right? Because he, yeah. he used the incarnation as a justification <laughs> for buying crap. Like, yeah. Yeah. it was astounding to me. And then, like, he's framing this whole thing. So once we get past those credit sequence, he's framing this whole thing as, like, a story and a narrative and how we create our own symbols, which I am on board with 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, For we sure. should have these symbols. But he's not leaving it open-ended in the sense, like, here are all these different things that we celebrate and you can attribute your own meaning to it. He's saying, here's the meaning, <laughs> you know? He uses the Christmas carol, the the story, as like an analogy of ever, everyone in that story has their own story. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, Tiny Tim has his story, and this person has his story, and then follows by saying, uh, even Scrooge has his story. And I'm like, he is the story. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not some side character that you're like, even the bad guy. Like, that is the story of it. It was just this weird meshing of things so then it opens up into the christmas party and i feel like the brother the brother-in-law christian the facial expressions and the things that he said probably for the first 10 minutes of the movie that's i felt like i was looking in a mirror Hmm. while i was watching (laughs) it like he gave these looks like i'm in the middle of this crazy world and none of it makes sense and that's exactly what i was feeling in (laughs) that moment as as a as a viewer yeah i also felt like this movie had a a lot of separate intros it felt like the the end of the last lord of the rings movie but with bad christian intros there's just so there's like the first scene there's where he's sitting in his christmas shrine talking about all the christmas there's the the little animation scene and then there's another voiceover as he as the actual like party starts yeah which was also very strange and then we're introduced to deandre Mm -hmm. the the only black man not the only black person in the um the movie uh, but who basically, like, I feel like, now it, it's possible that whoever DeAndre is, that this is his personality and this is how he is and this is what he thought was funny. But it felt like they gave him the role and they're like, listen, I want you to watch all of Chris Rock's stand up comedy and all of Chris Tucker's movies. And I want you to, like, be <laughs> that, you know, because it was just so over the top. Like, and then, and then add a little Pentecostal preacher. Yeah, to absolutely. all of it, and it was just it's a bad trope, bad trope of the fast talking, yeah. loud, charismatic black man, it's, and, and the only person of color in the whole movie. Although, I mean, granted, it was a small cast, like you know, it's just one person's house party, uh, and you could see in the background his family. So there were other, you know, two oh, okay. at least two other people of color. Oh, I didn't. Okay, because um, I was watching. I wanted to make sure. Well, maybe Bill on the couch might have been. He looked vaguely ethnic. Yeah. Well, maybe. there was that weird random old guy at the end. Yeah. Did you guys catch that? Like, yeah. Some person that was not in the film at all, just older. Yeah. Sound guy wandered home. Older guy was sitting <laughs> on a couch with some hot cocoa. Yeah. And says, this is why I come to these parties. And then that's it. Like, yeah. I didn't understand uh, any of that. Anyway. So that's uh, that guy's in Kirk Cameron's uh, hot cocoa 
<laughs> appreciation is a Facebook group. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they roast their own cocoa beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. So then they move on and he find he finds his brother-in-law Christian in the car. And this is where the, this is where the movie basically like the bulk of it takes place in them having conversation in the car. And it starts with him having some genuine concerns. Like how can mm. we buy all these things when there's people starving, which was never, never addressed. addressed throughout the whole thing. In fact, the opposite was addressed. It yeah. was assumed yeah. that everyone is upper middle class and can have these big feasts and afford presents for their kids and all that kind of stuff. And the house was, they had two fridges. Huge. Did you notice at the end yeah. when he's walking to talk to his wife, he had two fridges, <laughs> like two really nice. Like this was. Uh, and anyway. a wine cellar as well. Right. A, a, yeah. Like refrigerated wine cellar. Yeah. A full size one right next to the two fridges. Like it was just a row of refrigeration. <laughs> yeah. A big part of this movie is. Uh, also plays into the uh, straw man fallacy. So the straw man fallacy is an argumentative fallacy where you build up the case of your opponent when you're arguing something uh, against them and you build it up with like very easy, easy questions that you can answer. And you say, well, you know, you believe X, Y, and Z that's obviously false. So your whole argument is false. And I, I felt like his brother's, um, Initial list of complaints, like you guys said, there's a lot of really good, valid things that he that he asks in there. But the movie picks three of them and says, "All right, we answered these, so obviously Christmas is is good now," and hmm. just kind of leaves it at that. Kirk, yeah. how dare you? And and his first complaint is how the nativity is just like a small part of the background. Yeah, um, which never really gets answered. Like Kirk Cameron's answer to that one is basically like this long story about the connection between the swaddling clothes and the burial cloths uh, and really making that connection between the birth of Christ foreshadowing um, the death and resurrection of Christ, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty standard evangelical theology, but it never really addressed. So that first one was just, it was, it was kind of a throwaway. It was like, well, we need to figure out how to talk about the nativity, but there's no real, cause no one criticizes the nativity. You know what I mean? Like even out there, like, the, the the quote unquote secular world saying they're not saying like we want to get rid of Christ and we want to get rid of Christmas. They're saying we have to remember that there are more people here that are not Christian and we just want to we just want to make sure they feel included during the holidays if they're not celebrating Christmas and say happy holidays. Like there's no there's no legislation being written to you know ban people who <laughs> believe in Christ. Nothing like that. In fact, there's only legislation being written to ban people who practice a homosexual lifestyle or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, so then he moves on to Christmas trees. So this is where it gets like really Christian, right? Because he starts out with some legitimate arguments, like you know how about materialism and we're forgetting the meaning. And then he moves into like the real, like, well, it's not in the Bible, so why do we celebrate it? And the two main things that he addresses are the Christmas tree and Santa. Which let's do the Christmas tree first because I have a lot to say about the Santa part. Um, so the the Christmas tree. What did you think about uh, Kirk Cameron's biblical justification for the Christmas tree? It was sound, <laughs> <laughs> solid like a rock. <laughs> yes. So he arrives no. right at the idea that like ultimately the Christmas tree lot should remind you of the cross. Is that what the kind of like final, if I'm recalling this correctly, like every time you go to the Christmas tree lot, you know, remember the cross because the trees are made out of wood and. <laughs> Wood is what the cross was. Made I think out he's of. just meaning like the Christmas lot being the place that you see the Christmas tree. Yeah. So, I mean, he basically, right, he then picks here are four different verses about the Bible talking about trees. And therefore, when we take a tree and we put it in our house, 
you know, things happened around trees in the Bible, therefore it's biblical. Yeah. He uses, well, he uses the tree of life and the tree okay. of the knowledge of good and evil yep. mm-hmm. in Genesis and how those kind of bookmark scripture. Yeah. Paneling the inside of the temple. Yeah. And then he talks about when they built the temple where God lives, how they brought trees inside and put like fruit and lights <laughs> on them and stuff well, like that. Well, not really, but not okay. Not really, exactly. Uh, and <laughs> Evergreen so having saying, to do with yeah. uh, everlasting life. And then he moves yeah. on to, the, you know, the, the, you know, Jesus hung on a tree using the cross as a tree also, uh, which I mean, red tinsel, I guess, I guess on your take, tree. A, take, a, take a literal, that would be <laughs> like the talk about like worrying about the kids. You just put a crucified Christ in the yeah. middle and there, put the presence under <laughs> there. Stick a presence under him. <laughs> Thanks Jesus. Uh, so it, it was just, it was like t- jumping, like I said before, jumping through hoops to try to like, you know, cause the Christmas tree clearly has origins in, pagan culture like we reappropriated those symbols which is exactly what he is doing in this whole movie right is reappropriating mm-hmm. these symbols that we already reappropriated much earlier before mm. um it's constantine all over right because this is what constantine did is say okay we're gonna put it between like you know, we'll pick december 25th because it's between uh like saturn which was the god of plenty or excess depending on how you're feeling right but like between the festival of uh, there was basically two weeks before the Christmas time or whatever. And then there was two weeks after that, there was this other God. So when Constantine's honoring, continues to honor the Roman pantheon gods, it's like, well, how is he going to put his own God in there? Well, he throws in the God, uh, his God, you know, I mean, Jesus in between the two festivals. So it's this perfect, like, yeah, we'll squeeze it in there. And it just felt, this is exactly what Kirk Cameron's doing. We're saying, you know, basically between the God of commercialism and capitalism or American Western thinking, culture, whatever, white, you know, something, and then capitalism. And look, Jesus fits right here in between. And because we can make it fit or seamless, let's justify it. Exactly. I would really like to see a sequel. I want to see the biblical justification for eggnog. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, like Maybe we should come up with that. Like, I know, right? Let's let's like so the <laughs> eggnog, like you Easter egg, uh, Easter egg, okay, e- eggs, rep- new life. That's right. Being mixed together mm-hmm. with <laughs> alcohol that heightens life. Where's the, where's the scripture reference? Uh, right? Communion, <laughs> alcohol. scripture reference. There we go. Something oh, like yeah. that. Communion. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. I want to see justification for the stockings. I missed on that. You know, like. Uh, maybe we could do something mm. with like the dust of their feet kind of there thing. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and these are dust free feet, there, like representing yeah. how heaven where we don't need to brush off the dust. You know, yeah. I don't like it. That is just as sound as any argument that was made in this movie. I know, right? Absolutely. And that's the problem. That's the problem is like if someone doesn't agree with the Christmas tree, fine, then they don't have one. They're not telling you. Right. Well, I guess some Christians are advocating that you shouldn't celebrate that or whatever, but like why like just let it go like just enjoy it if you if that's your justification that's fine it just seems so i don't know there's almost like a desperation in trying to like i really want everyone to agree with me um i think that relates to this other idea that i've heard before from several other sources in regards to privilege if you're used to experiencing privilege then any type of equality feels like oppression to you and i feel like there's a very big false oppression complex going on in this film and I think all the other films that we watch that says there are these other ideologies out there that are making our previous way of celebrating Christmas, not the only way to celebrate Christmas now. And to people who have lived and experienced that for their cultural upbringing and the way that they've grown up, like some presence of other ideologies and thoughts, I think feels like, uh, like oppression to them. 
And it's it's even from people on the inside, right? Like, yeah, I, feel, I mean, absolutely. or specifically, like that's what makes this film so silly is that you're addressing, you know, one percent of the one percent or something like. That. And I mean, maybe that's not quite accurate, but of a, you know, I think in our modern context, Christianity, while probably the majority in a lot of places, you know, is no longer the accepted majority in, um, you know, we're not really the majority in our country, I wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends how you define Christian, but regardless, let's yeah. say that's, it's not everybody. So that's a smaller segment. And then really the film is addressing very specific, small, you know, a very small group within the Christian culture. And, and I think that's another thing that's really frustrating about the movie is it appears, or I think is attempting to address this much larger I mean, like I said, I was expecting it to address the people who are outside the Christian faith, and he mm-hmm. nods to that, but he doesn't at all. Like, there's nothing that has anything to do with people's frustration from the outside, and maybe except for, I guess, there are people who I think would say, you know, Christians are hypocritical because they're doing these things that have nothing to do with the story of Jesus and are just appropriating, you know, pagan ideas. Um, so maybe at some way you could say that, but there is this, yeah. They're not even addressing that. We're addressing some tiny group within the small, you know, it's basically, uh, it's not just we have to be afraid of the people out there. You might actually even have to be a little bit afraid of the people already inside who aren't willing to just go blindly with everything else that we're doing. Along with that, there's the the refusal to accept or take any type of criticism to, to the ideology. Like Kirk goes through absurd lengths and hoops and jumps to validate every like little stocking and piece of tinsel and ornament on the tree metaphorically speaking and invalidate anyone who disagrees like everyone else has seemed like they're they're crazy like the way that he subtly takes jabs at um you know like liberation theology and all these these other ways of looking at the gospel are just they're horrendous they really are like he really seems to have the sense that any critique towards him is an attack, which is represented in the response to the movie itself. Like after the movie came out and he started getting like, by the way, this is a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, he wrote on Facebook, I, I printed out because I, I wanted to read this. He said, all of you who love Saving Christmas, go rate it at Rotten Tomatoes right now and send a message to all the critics that we, in capital letters, we decide what movies we want our families to see if 2000 of you out of almost 2 million on this page take a minute to rate saving christmas it will take the film to a huge boost and more will see it as a result thank you for your help and support in putting the joy of christ back in christmas which i call bullcrap on that yeah like <laughs> and it, even in that that little thing that he put out on facebook when the movie came out i think it was 2014 like he got backlash from even his own people. Like, come on, you know, like you're, you're, you're pandering. Like that, that very statement goes against the very heart of what he seemed to be trying to do in the movie itself. And not only that, but like all the criticisms that he's railing against Adam, what you were mentioning earlier, the idea that people, there are, there, there are people who are criticizing Christians and the way that they view scripture, but they're only holding them accountable if they are, critiquing them on the way that they celebrate Christmas, they're only holding them accountable to the very rhetoric that they put out for everything else. And there's no acknowledgement of that, or even like a taking that in or humility in approaching that saying, you know, that's something we need to, to look at. Um, there wasn't even like a passing line when, when, in regards to like people who didn't have enough or anything like that, there wasn't any acknowledgement to, to any of that stuff. So I think that you're right. The whole thing in the form of being in the 
with the face of being open to criticism and we need to have fun and all that kind of stuff really basically says, if you have any criticism at all, you're a buzzkill and you should yeah, just shut absolutely. up. Yeah. We're affluent. We're white. We're enjoying ourselves. Why do you have to rain on our parade? That's the whole message. Um, <laughs> you know, we like doing Christmas this way and okay, sure. We'll, you know, give you some apologetics for why you can justify this or that. And Hey, they're paper thin, but, just freaking let us have a, you know, oh man. So then there's Santa. 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 Um, Christmas Braveheart. <laughs> so it should be noted that as he's, he's giving these mini sermons, he's it, fortunately, it's not just him talking and like a single shot camera on him. It cuts to, you know, like the story he's telling. So when he's talking about the Christmas tree, it shows images of Mary and Joseph and the baby. And, uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's giving us something visual to look at other than him, which is nice. Weird, um, you know, history channel reenactment. Kind exactly. Of. Yeah. But every, like every question that's prose takes like, I feel like it takes like 10 minutes because they were trying to put in like these witty banter things, especially from Christian, the brother-in-law. I'm just like, shut up already. We get it. Like, stop trying to be funny and let him give his bad answer so we could move on. You know, it's like Thorsis, Cyrus. I don't know. It's some always Norwegian dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they made it. They they turned him so quickly into this like thoughtful person that was realizing the craziness of what's around him into this just bumbling oaf whose opinions about the holidays were uninformed, which therefore becomes an archetype for everyone else who has criticism towards Christmas as also yeah. a bumbling oaf who's uninformed. Um, so he starts his rant on Santa with the most cliche way that you could possibly do it by stealing a lame church lady joke from Dana Carvey by, if you rearrange the words oh, in absolutely. Santa, it's Satan. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. Like the very fact that you're using that understands that you don't understand that that was making fun of you in the first place. <laughs> um, then Kirk Cameron goes into his explanation or his justification, no biblical justification this time, but a historical one of Santa talking about the real St. Nick. St. Nick, going yeah. back to the Council of Nicaea, right? Yeah. Did I say that right? Or Chalcedon? Yeah. No, it's Nicaea. Because, you know, the real St. Nick punched someone who disagreed with him. <laughs> and he uses that story or that historical fact or whatever as a justification for Santa being this badass who goes through the countryside. Like, like they had this scene where they, they're talking about how, like, when he, the heretics, the truth needed to be defended. And they're showing and they're flashing to St. Nick with a shepherd's staff because he was a pastor and needed to defend the truth, beating someone in the wilderness. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, my gosh, like, this movie needs a T-shirt. And yeah. you need to steal a line from Die Hard that says, now I have a shepherd's staff. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right? Like, nice. write that in <laughs> that blood. Beautiful. The, it was so... Horrible. And, you know, this movie's for kids. It's, it's, it was all set yeah. to dubstep, too. Why don't, you, don't forget that detail? <laughs> yes. It was violent. It was a very violent Super scene. Super violent. Yeah. And, uh, like, a little bit tra tra traumatic or whatever, traumatizing. I saw it, and, you know, it's dark. They're playing the music for it. But it just didn't match the tone. It was this whole, like, acceptance of it. Like, it was right that he beat the crap out of this yeah. guy. And he didn't beat the crap out of him. No. Like, it started with, he's at a table, right? And he's yeah. talking to some guy. Because you don't hear the words. It's over, like, his narration. And I, I'm pretty sure he just slammed his head against the table and then took him out into the wilderness and beat him with a shepherd's staff. And then comes back, and I don't know if it's his handmaiden or his wife <laughs> or his daughter. She just kind of chuckles and says, now that you have that out of your system, let's go give presents to the town kids. <laughs> and then he gets so, happy. And that was he creepy. Has a really creepy smile with that. Yeah, too. like, oh, yeah, kids are next. Like, which 
I'm glad they didn't follow up with the, the difference between good kids and bad kids. Like, I oh, feel like the next inevitable go. step would have him, like, taking children out in the street and beating them or something. Yeah. <laughs> they were bad. They need to be corrected. Those people out there telling us we can't, you know, beat our kids. Don't spare the rod. Yeah, the basic message of that scene, I think, was to be to communicate that it's okay to enact violence against people that disagree with you. That like, that's what I got from it. I don't know about you guys. Basically that Santa is like a defender of the divinity of Jesus. That's right. Yeah. That was the only deep, like theological thing that they kind of skipped on. I mean, so is Jesus fully divine? Was he fully man? Was he this third type of thing? And that was the whole, right. Like they come up with the weird homoousius or however you say it. Right. During that time that was like, no, we need to hold this thing that Jesus is fully God and fully man. So, I mean, they kind of missed out on, you know, any kind of, well, why did that matter or anything? And instead exactly. it's this, no, 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 it's justification for Santa Claus. <laughs> and that's because, you know, you have that, that, that evangelical justification of the Trinity, you know? They read Genesis as, well, the Trinity's obviously been there from the beginning. The fact that they even had the conversation in church history, clearly they were wrong. So therefore they were heretics and they deserve to be punched. And, yeah. you know, yeah, and it was like, there was no acknowledgement that, man, the church genuinely struggled with trying to find their place after they were mm-hmm. now the people in charge. Now they were no longer persecuted. And there was a genuine struggle with what they believed and why they believed it because they had been so fragmented for so long. And it just throws that all the window with truth has always been there. Anyone who disagreed with where we are now was wrong in the first place. And it... Well, it is black and white and violence is justified then. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the beginning of... I mean, this same argument is what gets applied to why war is justified or why, you know, we need to destroy other people before they destroy us. Um, you know, a good shepherd protects the truth. Like the capital T truth is so valuable that regardless of the fact that the entire institution or the entire, I mean, like, you know, the entire religion is based on someone who, when faced with, you know, power and oppression decides to, you know, get crucified or allow that to happen. Instead of that, we need to defend that very truth then by violence. It is just sad and disturbing, really. Um, And a subtle insinuation that we need to be prepared to do that again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and maybe your Christian friend who doesn't like Christmas needs to be punched. Like that's, you know, if you can't reason with them, maybe they just need to get hit because, you know, that might that might actually snap it out. All for the purpose so that we can just keep enjoying our affluence and our, you know, joy. Kurt Cameron in this is almost like a twisted version of Negan from The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, snap. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like there's this demeanor about him that's like joyful and we want to have a good time but there's this underlining like dark violence especially yeah. in this particular part they get saint nick on yeah you. it was so and then like even when they cut back to you know christian thoughtfully considering kirk cameron's words about santa and he's like santa he was awesome you know like it was like oh yeah. man he's like now i'm totally on board that's that's a good comparison right that's, uh, it's, yeah, it's creepy Even when they cut over to the guy playing Santa, like the look on his face, like, right? Like there was this close up of the the eyes of Santa and it was like, I'm about to like beat some people right now because Jesus. Creepy. (laughs) It was like his brother-in-law or somebody, right? It was our uncle. Yeah, whoever was playing Santa Some weirdo. And they kind of play it up as like, oh, he's kind of a weirdo dressed in whatever, Uncle Joe or whatever his name was in the the suit. But he, 
Yeah, it was genuinely creepy. Like, and then it cuts to essentially like that's the turning point, right, for mm-hmm. Christian. And then he like barges into the house like action hero style and does the slide into the presence with the light behind him. And then you know DeAndre comes out and is like, "Ooh, what's going on here?" You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> let's get the black man on a DJ. Can I? Can we yeah. get him on the yeah. the, the spinning? The- <laughs> I'm so Goodness. white. I don't know what it is. And then it, like the record player. I, know. I think he was oh, just he like play some music playing the keys on the, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, but then he comes in and then of course, like, you know, you have to be the man of the household now and apologize to your wife and restore Christmas because Christmas was ruined because you are the patriarch and whatever attitude you have trickles down to everyone else. So you need to make it right. So the responsibility's all on you yeah so that was another thing they failed to do well was like that was the argument like you are ruining it for your kids you're ruining it for your wife you're ruining it for everybody in the party is so affected by the fact that you're not in here but yet in the movie no one knew or cared that he wasn't there it had nothing to do no like, one, no one <laughs> exactly he wasn't yeah. doing anything i mean actually they were was, doing just fine sipping yeah. their cocoa that kirk was handing out like hotcakes it's like a, a basic I, I don't know like as an introvert i felt like it was a little bit of that too of like <laughs> if you're not even in the party having as much fun as everyone you're at fault you're making it horrible for everyone else and i was like if, if you're gonna say that fine but like well then follow it up with the way that you make the movie like make people like wait, where's dad? How come dad's yeah. not in here? Or Absolutely. like, where's your brother? Where's, you know, it's just Kurt who's kind of pissed that like, you know, why isn't everybody as excited about hot cocoa as I am? Hey kids, get over here. Have some hot cocoa. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the apology, right? So he, oh my gosh. he makes um, the triumphant walk through I'm the so kitchen, past the two refrigerators and one large uh, wine refrigerator. And, uh, and then it ends with, her saying, "Wait for it. Do you have the quote? I have the quote. Okay, give I, me the quote. I have it as well. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Dylan. Dylan. Go give me the. Give us the quote. <laughs> okay. So Christian <laughs> says, "This Christmas, I want to give you something I've been waiting for for a long time." Pause. What do you got in mind, Big Papa? Says his <laughs> wife. <laughs> And they give each other very suggestive looks. That's wonderful. And then Kirk Cameron pauses it. Right? Does yes. And what does he say? He says basically. I know this is the part where you think there's going to be like a big kiss. Like, what do you, a kiss? Yeah, what do you expect? Air quotes around kiss. What do you expect to happen right now? Because the way that they were talking, there was more than a kiss that was about to happen. Well, he says that. Like, it was about to cut to a scene of like jingle bells against the the headboard, you know? It seemed like it. She says, or he says his thing, I want to give you something. Right. And then they pause, and I'm like, that's kind of dirty. Maybe I just have a dirty mind. And then she says, Big Papa. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, why is she fall? Like, okay. And then Kurt says, now you know what's going to happen. I'm like, what's, what's <laughs> happening? Who just hijacked this movie? And then he thinks he's being clever yeah. by, but sometimes the hero does something unexpected. How about a choreographed dance with blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Yeah. And then DeAndre cuts the music and then yeah. random people have a choreographed dance planned in front of the Christmas tree. Yeah. Liberty dance team. Liberty University dance team. Shows Which, up. by the way, the first thing you see in this movie, we forgot to mention in the beginning, is a liberty university sponsored by like this is this is a commercial for liberty university it is i felt like this whole movie like in the context of like a mid-sized church of like a ministry that does like videos for their church it would have been pretty decent i would have gone in there and be like oh this is like this is just this community they put this out there they really think they put a lot of work into it all that kind of stuff like it would have been nice but as like this everybody should see this movie out there for everyone from 
I guess professionals, which I I have a hard time if your film company is called CamFam, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but professional might be a strong word. <laughs> but it just it just felt like this is this would be a good church play for an evangelical church who really like was on board with these things and and it would have been fine and fun to see like. I feel like the people who made this movie, they lo- they looked at it like you would look at at a church play that's really bad from the outside for everyone else. But because they're people you know, you're kind of yeah. like, oh, this is fun. You know, this is great. We all know DeAndre is not really a fast-talking black guy. So let's have him be that. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, actually, I think he's one of the producers, too. Uh, he's on the list. But it's so has such great potential to be, you know, look at all the silly things we do. You know, to kind of take itself, uh, it, so I didn't think it took itself too seriously, but it, they could have really made fun of themselves and mm-hmm. it would have been great. It would have been like, yeah, we do some dumb stuff as Christians. And, and I mean, that kind of gets me to this other thing of because the movie is so bad and because it's clearly not a movie, but just kind of like a, a sermon, it reminded me so much of the one we just watched, the like, if footmen tire you, what will horses do thing where it's, it's just it's a sermon yeah. that happens to have some random, you know, I mean, so back to the thing of, uh, you know, Adam ruins everything or whatever the different uh, YouTube channels are of, you know, here's a 10 minute thing. The movie could have been 10 minutes long of here, you know, we don't, you know, here's my justification for this. Here's a quick answer to that. And it would have been kind of cute and funny and we would have still thought, okay, it's dumb, but whatever. But because it's a full length feature film and because of the way that it was advertised, it really just feels to me like another really like not at all honest movie. What I mean to say is it's not like a it doesn't seem to be in any way responding to any real serious, uh, you know, need. It's more of a, hey, let's put out a Christmas movie. We can make a ton of money because Christians will go see it. It, it just really felt overtly, um, you know, I mean, what it, what it was all about, about capitalism, about commercialism. Hey, let's take advantage of the fact that Christians need, you know, will respond if it's, you know, if it has a hashtag Christian or a tagged Christian somehow, they'll go watch it and we can make some money off this. Like, I really don't think there was any message that people needed to hear, <laughs> you know, um, and I'll say this about some of the previous stuff, like the God, you know, God's Not Dead movies or whatever. It does seem like they're trying to address a real, perce- you know, not, not real, but a perceived threat. This one's like, are there really that many Christians out there that are the people who are, you know, on like that actually know the history of some of this stuff and who are anti-Christmas? Cause that's what it was like. I don't know. I just, I really question the motivation behind the making of this movie. I feel like a lot of it was a response to a book that came out a while ago called pagan Christianity. Hmm. Um, that was put out, I think by Barna, we'll put it in the show notes, but um, it was, it, that book was a good, like good history a decent history of like how not just Christmas, but all a lot of the things that we celebrate as Christians, Easter, even some of the things we do in church have pagan origins. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure if I, it's been a while since I've read it, but the author, his conclusion was like basically we abandon everything, which it's a little bit extreme. So I think, I think mm-hmm. almost like maybe Kurt Cameron read that book and was mm-hmm. responding to yeah, the author's conclusion to all those facts, as opposed to just being like, ah, that's what it is. And, you know, we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. But I think his, he was just more of like, because I disagree with his conclusion to the facts, I need to find new facts and discredit some, them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I, I do have one thing that I really liked. So there was a character, I don't think he had a real name. But I think in the credits was called the conspiracy theorist, the guy, uh, yeah. the bald guy with the beard, the right? bald guy with the beard who sits beyond, behind DeAndre and is like, and I thought it was comedic. It was really funny. Like he's like, put up your, you know, your Christmas mug so that 
people can't see us talking and then, or so we don't have to act and actually say stuff and we can just do it in a sound studio later. I don't know. But he gives all these like conspiracy theories. And it was great because one of the things they did wonderfully is the conspiracy theorist said at one point, he said something like, and I heard it on Fox News, so it has to be true. And I thought, hey, good for them, like to kind of make fun or have a character that is clearly just a wacko conspiracy theorist, but to, you know, uh, to, to kind of throw that To out. call out, yeah, Fox News in particular instead yeah. of just the news. Right, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, well, you know, well done. So they snuck that in. I don't know. That, somehow that got past Kirk's review or whatever. Like, it's like, Yeah, that was that was a weird, but that was a weird scene too, like cut in between all of it. This, yeah. This, but yeah, you're right. Like the comedic timing from everyone aside from Kirk Cameron was, you know, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, any other thoughts on, on the film itself before we, we move on to our, our rating? Never in the history of anything I've ever watched have I seen someone so smug throughout. It was just, oh my gosh. So they both, uh, him and his sister, get awarded, uh, whoever it is, you know, for like the worst actor award or nominated for the worst actor. And his sister got like worst supporting actor. I mean, they just eviscerated the film. That, this is a Razzie winner, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I felt like you could add to that, like most smug character of all time goes to Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think I was just shocked and appalled by Kirk's uh, voiceover at the end where he says, Christmas is about taking on a material body. So it's okay to make, make it about material (laughs) things. Like that made my jaw drop. I was so (laughs) horrified that they would say that. Wow. Yeah. I missed a lot of what he said after that because i was so floored by that statement yeah they just so blatantly approved and affirmed capitalism and consumerism that takes place around christmas i I was just shocked not even angry yeah it was (laughs) and and going back to that that smugness too like it was with this air of humility even at the dinner scene it was almost like i let christian be the hero of the story my sister knows who the real hero right. is, which was weird too. Like they gave this weird wink and smile to each other at the end. And I, yeah. I don't understand what what's on? going on here. Okay. So if you're listening to this divine cinema episode for the first time, and we spell that with an S by the way, it's clever. Yeah, it is clever. Uh, it's, it's our, it's our way of emulating Kurt Cameron's cleverness. And our, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have come up with a rating system. This is recent. So this is only our second rating. Uh, cause we, in the first two, we discussed how we were going to work this. Uh, so basically we have a rating system of one to 30 pieces of silver. How much did this particular movie sell out the gospel of Jesus Christ? <laughs> uh, so Adam, let's start with you. What, what is your, what is your rating for this particular movie? Oh man. It's, it's, if we could do more than 30, I would do more than 30. <laughs> and you know, Jesus is just the means to justify our elaborate, you know, fancy stuff, you know? So this is a complete sellout of the gospel. So you're giving it the full 30. The full, full 30. Whoa. Full 30. Full 30. You can't get, yeah. Dylan? Uh, yeah, same here. Full 30. Whoa. It is, it is <laughs> a complete sellout and it is nothing but a Trojan horse for this capitalistic, consumeristic Christianity that is not really uh, focused on Jesus a whole lot. So I'm going to say I'm going to say full 30. Wow. Gentlemen, this is this is some harsh criticism. I am <laughs> I'm still saving my Just full 30 yeah. for something, but I, I am giving it you know, high marks. And I would say 28. Nice. Okay. Uh, because I, I, I still, I I'm on board with the sentiment of like celebrating the holidays and allowing symbols to mean something to your family. 
So there were certain aspects of it that I was like, you know, I'm, I, I like that. I just wish that they would see the irony in them propping up this concept of using symbols and understand that they're doing the exact opposite. Uh, so I, ca- I can't in good conscience give it the full 30 because I, I just... I Jeff and s- Judas both start with J. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. I'm, I'm pushing back. I may be. <laughs> I may be. Well, we we have a very specific opinion about this movie. Um, but the very fact that this movie exists and has made a little bit of money, I didn't find any figures <laughs> to how much it made. But for those of you that bought this movie, fortunately it was streaming Why? on Hulu when we watched this. So <laughs> this is when I had to rent. You on. could watch it on YouTube as well. Like someone had posted it for something. I can't remember. I didn't watch it on YouTube. I watched it on Hulu, but, uh, and in the comment section of it, it was like a review is what it was titled, but it was just the full movie. And one of the comments was, clearly this movie is not great if it's not been taken down or whatever. Like, <laughs> clearly it's not, a, it's not important enough because it's just the movie and it's been here for a while. So they must not care. Well, at least they're consistent with their theology, right? They believe yeah. it's the there gospel. Go. Yeah. They're putting it out there for people to... Oh I'm trying to gosh. take it down. Um, so we, we clearly we have an opinion about this, but we have scoured the internet for people that have enjoyed this movie, and we were calling this redeemed perspectives to continue <laughs> with our uh, reappropriation of religious terms. <laughs> and uh, so, gentlemen, did you have any? Did you find any uh, reviews that that maybe gave you pause about how good this movie might actually be? Okay, I got, I got one. Um, so on Amazon, one of the, I think it was a five-star review, capital letters, loved this movie, exclamation point. Um, I'm not sure why our culture and history has gone to P-O-T, to pot, literally. So I think they're talking about uh, smoking pot, I guess. But I'm thankful Kirk takes a stand and reminds us what Christmas is all about. What a special movie, perfect for our times. Grab the family and Coco. And teach the kids before they're completing, oh, com- I think they meant to say complete, completely blinded by the new culture, whatever that is. And then a par- parenthetical comment, a real example of the current culture, a school dropout tonight told me to quote F off at the grocery store, dot, 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 in a parenthetical comment. <laughs> That's it. So, you know, uh, if you want to keep your kids off grass, watch this movie. It's going to help. Uh, love the movie. So people like it. Okay. That was me. Dylan, All right. Dylan, Dylan you got one? Yeah, uh, I got two. So I'm going to break nice. the rules. Uh, so first one is great movie inspires you to decorate for Christmas. Five star <laughs> review, which I suppose is true. Yeah, it's absolutely it's true. Yeah. Christmas things. I think I might've gotten a couple Christmas decor yeah. ideas from that yeah. movie. Bright, shiny lights behind people. Yeah. Fantastic. That made me, you know, that fit the criteria. It made me reconsider the movie a little bit. Um, and then... This one is is my personal favorite. Great movie really gives you a great new perspective on the meaning behind a lot of things about Christmas. Also can really help anyone feeling depressed about how wrapped up we are in gifts and food and parties around Christmas time. And I chose that one because if you have a friend (laughs) that is feeling depressed, I think the last thing, well, you know, it might actually help to show them this movie because they might laugh and, you know, get get some of those endorphins going. <laughs> Clearly that person didn't watch no. the movie because the movie's encouraging you to get wrapped up in presents and stuff, yeah. right? Oh, my god! Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, I also have two. One from Amazon and one from Rotten Tomatoes. The Amazon one says, I just bought three copies. 
why trinity <laughs> three copies for yeah. uh fun and kind of silly movie just right for for family christmas get-togethers we'll share it thanks kirk happy face <laughs> thanks kirk thanks we're on first name basis yeah. great for family get-togethers interesting um three copies like why like are you gonna wear one out are you, are you with... anyway this one concerned me a little bit about this person's uh, well let me read this this movie was recommended by my doctor don't know why your doctor would recommend this. Who had been frustrated with the materialism at Christmas. Oh, okay. Um, he told me it totally changed his view, and that was enough for me to check it out. Wow. Capital letters. Wow. This movie is powerful. Rich in traditions and story. Informative. Inspiring. There's so a lot basically, of questions that get raised from that review. <laughs> right? So his doctor, who has a valid frustration about materialism at Christmas, yeah. and then watched this movie and was like, oh, I'm totally fine. Yeah. I'm good with materialism now. <laughs> Should be. All right. So if you've listened to this <laughs> this far into the episode, we are now going to move into our recommendations. So movies that we feel this movie really tried to be or just recommendations for something better to watch that's somewhat related to the material here so dylan how about let's start with you how about any any recommendations any movie we can watch to cleanse our palate um i think if you're looking for a silly feel-good movie it's my family's tradition to always watch the national lampoon's christmas vacation which has (laughs) some prime uh chevy chase in there doing his physical ineptitude comedy and it's it's just got some good laughs and it's just nostalgic for me so that's gonna be me my uh, recommendation nice my recommendation is to watch the animated version the old animated version of the how the grinch stole christmas because it is the right message that's the antithesis of this right that ends up with the like it came without packages it came without toy you know that's the message like Christmas isn't about these ridiculous things. It's about, you know, joy. And I mean, I don't know. It's great. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. If you want a movie about an upper middle class family struggling through their issues, trying to find joy in the holidays again, watch The Ref. It is the complete opposite of this movie in every single way. Uh, it is not family friendly. <laughs> uh, you'll you'll notice that from the very first is it scene. Kevin Spacey. No. It's Kevin Spacey. Yeah, and, Kevin uh, Spacey and Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. Uh, so Kevin good. Spacey plays a upper middle class guy who's estranged from his son, who he sent off to military school, and they're all coming together for the holidays, and they get taken hostage by Dennis Leary's character, who had just robbed a house and is hiding out from the cops, and it is wonderful. Um, it is a great Christmas movie to watch if you don't mind <laughs> a heck of a lot of cursing and the religious imagery in it is even more <laughs> wonderful. Uh, one of my favorite bits from the movie is there's this chocolate nativity scene and Dennis Leary, the the burglar, picks up the baby Jesus and takes a bite <laughs> and it's gross and he's like, Jesus. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Just a little. And then there's like it's an the over, overbearing mom character in the movie that kind of uses her money to control everyone like materialism being the thing that destroys this family mm. which is a, well it should be and she starts saying how they don't want to she doesn't want to talk about this anymore and finally kevin spacey's character who is the the number one son 
snaps and says, Mother, do you know what I'm going to get you this Christmas? I'm going to get you a nice wooden cross. So every time you feel unappreciated, you can climb up on climb up on it and nail yourself to it. <laughs> it's so good. That's it's, a, snap. it's biting, it's irreverent, and it, it, it deals with the reality of situations that we wow, faced in family. Amazing. So I, that is if a you have kids, burn. don't watch them with the kids, but watch <laughs> this movie. It is great. So that is... I think that'll do it. That'll do it for us, not only for this episode, but for 2016 here at Irenacast. Specifically up, Divine Cinema, right? Specifically Divine Cinema. So Divine Cinema, like I said in the beginning of the show, is that we are not going to be on the last Tuesday in January because that falls on our 100th episode and we want to do something special. Um, so we may very well have all five hosts on that episode and we're going to have some fun things planned. So please, please keep listening. Check our website, irenacast.com for any information as we head closer to our 100th episode. And for our next Divine Cinema, which will be on the fourth Tuesday of January, we're going to be doing a movie called Christian Mingle. No, we're not talking about the website Christian Mingle. Apparently, there is a movie, Christian Mingle. TM, trademark. (laughs) Exactly, right? And from what we gather from the premise, it is about a girl who is out of luck in her romance life and decides to join Christian Mingle despite the fact that she's not a Christian and finds a really good guy. And in the end, we assume, we haven't seen it yet, but we're looking... They have sex. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> they probably oh don't. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they may not have they sex. Kiss. Uh, Big papa. <laughs> uh, join us next month for Divine Cinema. And then, of course, we are continuing our regular episodes with my wonderful co-hosts, Mona and Alan, as we continue forward. So check out all of our stuff. If you want to support the show, you can do that at irenacast.com slash support. If you want to comment on this particular episode and add your opinion to this, you can do that at irenacast.com slash 95. And that's the show notes for the show. And you'll find all the links to the many things that we talked about. And there you can comment and give your opinion as well. So for this edition of Divine Cinema, hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season and hope everyone has a wonderful 2017. Thanks for joining us. 